to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog owners. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm Rachel Harris. I'm a certified professional dog trainer, and I hope to give you a fresh outlook on your dog's behavior and practical dog training advice. to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. We are so excited that you are here. I have yet another amazing special guest. And I know that a lot of you probably already know Christy because she posts fire content over on Instagram. But today we're going to talk about the normalized imperfect dogs movement that Christy has really started. But before we do that, will you go ahead and introduce yourself for the listeners who maybe don't already know you? Yes. Well, hi, I'm Christy. And I first want to say I am loving your energy and feel like I want to wake up with that energy every single day. Um, So anyway, uh, I am Christy. I am one of the co-founders of Tales of Connection. um, And then I also do private dog training through Dog Trained. Um, is there anything else you want to know about me? I don't. <laughs> yes, I w- I have a lot of things I want to know about you. So, <laughs> so tell me, how did you get into dog training? Oh, well, in the way that a great many trainers are born, um, <laughs> by having a dog who desperately needed help. Um, so one of my dogs, Otis, who's uh, about five and a half now, was a very reactive dog. Um, and I did not at the time, honestly, know the term reactive, right? And he turns out he was really fearful. Um, and I had to go through a lot of the wrong things before I just decided I would learn. (laughs) And he really was the one who inspired me, um, to go and do this work to help him. But what I actually learned along the way was that it did something for me. Like it did something to my soul. There was a part of me that came to life when I got to connect to him and, that is what lit me up when I said, gosh, there are so many things that are just so hard in this world, sometimes including living with you, sweet, sweet Otis. But there is something so powerful here when I connect to you like this and I want more of it and I want to help people have more of it. Okay. I seriously have goosebumps because when you get that feeling, right? Like it's contagious and you can't, oh. you, you just want to do everything you can to get more of it. Right. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. So yes. Right. Otis, thank you so much for bringing your mother into the world of dog training. We're so grateful for it. We're so grateful for it. And then we have little Sully who had to teach me whole other lessons, which we'll I'm sure touch on later in this podcast. Okay. And I think that like, that's really the sign of like a great dog trainer. So everyone who's listening, if you're kind of like new to like the dog training world, you're new to the positive reinforcement world, just know that probably one of the best trainers is going to tell you they learn through their own dogs, not that they grew up with dogs. They've always had dogs. So they know a lot. Right. So (laughs) I think that it's so much more about like what each individual dog can teach us and how that sparks something in us. And we seek out all of this knowledge. Right. And obviously you've learned a lot outside of your two, but I mean, that's where it starts. Right. Like, and when you see it work and you feel that joy and that clear communication between you and your dog, I mean, I don't, it's one of my favorite feelings in the whole world. Oh, it really is. And I, you know, I was just talking with somebody about this dogs and trees, which uh, I'll try very hard not to bring trees into this conversation too many times. Bring them in. They're just like my heart language, but like 
dogs and trees teach me how to love without needing to own or control, which is just a really different kind of love. And like, I feel a little weird saying that I didn't know (laughs) that, but like, I mean, I did, like, I've obviously loved a great many people in my life, but there has been something really powerful about backing off, like, and learning to appreciate without needing to bend something to my will, right? Or trying to figure out how to get something to work for me. And I mean, I think people in my life have benefited greatly from me learning doctrine, frankly. Hells to the yes, right? And I think like, okay, so I want to just piggyback off of this because I think it's so relevant for everyone who is listening right now, right? Because most of the people who reach out to me when they listen to disorderly dogs, you're like, you made me feel heard and seen because it's not this like click now, reinforce now. It's like the, like the emotional element. And I think that what good dog training forces us to do is let go of what we fucking want and realize that it's not about us. Mm. And I never realized how impatient and self-centered I was until Wayne stepped into my life. And I was like, okay, shine in the spotlight that I didn't want you to shine. And it was uncomfortable. It sucked. It was yucky. I didn't want to be like, admit that I can be impatient and selfish. But I think once I finally admitted it, there's all these ripple effects, right? Suddenly I'm more compassionate. I can communicate better with my partner, my family members. Like it is so much more than just dog training that you get when you really embrace using positive reinforcement. Yes. Yes. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, right? Like we are harmed in relationship and we heal in relationship and dogs are a relationship, right? Like that's what that is. And so all of the same stories that we live with in relationship with people show up in relationship with dogs. And, you know, one of the really crazy cool things that I have found is that I can practice uh, bringing some awareness and compassion to my responses in relation to how I respond to dogs, sometimes a little more easily than I can with people at first. And then I can just start to take that behavior I built and move, move the context. Right. Uh, And like, that is just, when I started to realize that I was like, well, this is a lot bigger than training. (laughs) Oh my God. It's literally revolutionizing our own behavior. Yes. They teach me so much more than I teach them. I laugh when I get called a trainer. I'm like, I'm not, I'm listening to them, honestly. I know. Right. I think about that all the time because like, obviously like labeling, labeling ourselves dog trainers helps people who don't know this nitty gritty stuff find us. Right. Like that's an important label, but what, like, what do we call ourselves? Right. Like, because we're so much more than that. Right. Like, I don't know. I like, honestly identify way more as a learner than an expert. Like I feel, don't get me wrong. I feel very strongly about how important it is for us to keep learning, right? And staying on top of the latest in the field. So, but even in that context, like I still feel connected to that learner. And even when I'm working with a client who's like really struggling, like I'm still learning from them, right? About how they're relating to their dog. And that, I don't know, that is just, I feel really lucky and humbled to get to be just even a small part of people's journeys. 
Oh my God. I wholeheartedly agree. And I think that like, that's part of the beauty of like what we do and how we help people is that we don't just work with dogs. We work with people to help their dogs, right? Like that's where there's so much more of what we do. And we don't, we not only open ourselves up to learning from the animal, but we also open ourselves up to learning from the human beings. And I think that I've just really thrived in that context, right? Like coming and learning from the people and how they communicate because I never walk in saying I know everything because I don't. That is a lot, oh God. right? Oh, like and that's too much pressure. <laughs> I know. Like I don't have time like, for that. It's too hard already. Like please don't add that. Right. Oh my God. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about not a little bit. I want to talk a lot. Yeah. About, um, the normalized imperfect dogs movement. So can you just kind of give the listeners a little like behind the scenes, like what ignited this? Um, A lot of things. And I will answer this. There is kind of this like practical element. And then there is sort of this personal, um, slightly more spiritual element, uh, right? The kind of practical piece was just listening and hearing from so many people who um, were feeling really guilty and inadequate, right? Like watching this world that we live in, you often just get these highlight reels of other people and their dogs, and it can feel really isolating and defeating sometimes. And, you know, through TOC on top of through clients, you know, I've been really fortunate enough to just hear so many people's stories. And I think It was just like, I could feel the weight of it, like in my body, just the pressure that people were feeling. And, um, you know, it became, you know, this is not, you know, I am a small piece of incredible trainers and a million other people who are sharing this same story, right? I just wanted to give you know, create this kind of hashtag and movement as a way to, to invite other people to share the full story and celebrate that a little bit, right? That it's not just the highlight reel. And, you know, what, honestly, I got as much, if not more out of it as the people who shared. So like, sometimes I feel selfish. It's like, oh, did I just create that? Because I wanted to hear people tell me that I was normal. Um, But, you know, it, it really was born out of wanting to give voice to the fullness and wholeness of you know, dogs, right? Make room for a whole dog and whole people, right? Allow for the humanity that comes with that. And it, it really was a, I mean, it's continues to just be a gift to get to see people um, share the quote unquote hard parts, right? That it's not, yes, dogs are the best and they're hard. Like, I don't know how to say that a different way. And it's impossible to separate our humanity from that. And so I think being able to normalize this sort of imperfect dog also invites humanity into the picture. Like, ooh, that's hard, right? Like, it's really hard that that dog, you know, has resulted in me changing my entire life. That's objectively hard. 
Um, and, you know, practically speaking, I think when, okay, and first of all, I will say this because sometimes I get nervous that like, if you think your dog is perfect, you are right, right? I don't want to tell you, <laughs> like, it's society's definition of perfect is the one that I take issue with because it's impossible, right? Like we, it's not, uh, it's not real. And trying to strive for that is, sets both the dog and the person up for failure and a lot of frustration and basically takes you out of the present moment. Like you just miss so much magic when we're so focused on smushing these beautiful, gorgeous, messy creatures into these perfect boxes, right? Like they don't fit. And so if we can let go of the perfect box picture, right? And kind of remove that vernacular from the reason we train. Like we're not training, trying to reach perfect, right? We're looking at that messy creature when we remove the perfect box, suddenly we're so much more connected and creative and uh, able to adapt to the actual animal that is in front of us versus if we are feeling just the weight of that stupid, perfect box that the world has put in front of us, right? Like we probably didn't even build the box ourselves, right? Like it just got handed to us and unknowingly we're sitting there smushing these gorgeous creatures into these stupid perfect boxes. And like, like, where did this box come from? I didn't decide that my dog had to do that. Like somehow it's like it got pre-programmed and I think my dog has to do that, but like, do they? I love so much how you have empowered people to, I called it the matrix, look outside of the dog training matrix, (laughs) right? Like there are all these beautiful layers, right? That we get to celebrate and appreciate. And I think that, you know, the dog training industry, right, started in military training, right? That's where it started in training like military dogs. And I feel like it is about damn time the dog training got a fucking makeover. It's like, this this is not the world we live in, right? Like, none of us are drill sergeants. None of us need military trained dogs. And I think that, you know, the, the dog training industry, at large, us ex- exempt because we're not part of that. No, but I feel like a lot of the dog training industry has made us believe that a well-trained dog acts like a fucking robot. And yes. that is, is so harmful on so many levels, obviously not only to the animal, but it also yeah. robs the human of the oh. joy that we were speaking of. Right. Yes. And I think that by realizing that all of that is, a lie, right? Like none of that is real. This box doesn't belong to you. Throw it out. Use it as a hint for your dog. No. Um, but <laughs> like, you know, I feel like once we get outside of that, that's when we open ourselves up to the possibility of enjoying our dogs for who they are, appreciating them for who they oh. are, not putting them in situations that we know they're going to fail in. Like, I feel like, you know, as a human being, I am on social media too. I see all of these influencers out with their dogs and I think to myself like, fuck, do they know more than I do? Like, what are they doing? But then I remind myself that they're showing me the highlights, right? They're not showing me like the parts that I share. And I think that 
it's so beautiful to share those imperfect moments, right? And for those of you listening to Swordly Dogs, you know all my dirty lies. They know that I yell at Waylon sometimes. They know that in frustrated moments, I have smacked him. Not proud of it, but it's the truth, right? And I think the more we can do that, we can all grow together. We can all learn together. And I think hopefully sleep better at night and have just that much more joy and fun with our dogs. Yes, 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 yes. Like a million times, yes. I also love to throw throw the box like, no, give it to your dog for enrichment. It does be used recycle, everyone. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, yeah, it's just like the, there's this other piece of it, you know, for me that feels, you know, I don't ever foist this part on people, but it's like a, a, like spiritual sometimes feels like too big of a word for it, but that like, I feel my best when I feel connected to the world around me, when like, when I'm not separating myself from nature as much when I'm not propping myself up as this separate superior thing to nature and I lose something when I try because in in order to if I have this perfect dog in mind I inherently have to control them and I inherently should them right like I stop accepting who they are and I'm just living in this really controlling as if my way is better world. And it robs me of a lot of connection because that perfection or need to be perfect is frankly for me, you know, I won't speak for others is armor, right? Like if I'm trying to, I am a recovering perfectionist. Um, I still slide right back into it sometimes. Um, and so it's like not a far leap at all that I would be inclined to want to project that onto those around me. And so I'm really conscious of what I practice, right? And that's not to say that I don't do it sometimes, right? That I don't realize like, oh God, like that is not the expectation I want to go with. Like, I don't know where that came from, but like, I'm suddenly feeling really frustrated that you're not meeting this random bar that I've somehow allowed to slide in here. And I just like who I am better when I show up from a place of acceptance and connection first. And I can't do that with perfect in my vocabulary. I just can't. Right. For you or for them. Yep. Okay. And I love so much how you use the word perfectionist, because I think so many of us relate with that, right? And I think especially as women, I feel like we've been like brainwashed our whole existence that we have to exist a different way because we are, you know what I mean? And I think that there has been a lot of ego and toxic masculinity like projected from the dog training industry, right? That like your, your, your dog isn't well-trained unless you have control over them. And, you know, it's for appearances. The dog should be in a perfect heel. So people know that you're in control. And like, that is so pervasive still, still in our industry. And I love so much how you just show up with this beautiful, beautiful feminine energy and you can just help people understand, right? That like, fuck that. No one wants that right? It's not good for you. It's not good for the animal. And I think that it's so centered on what other people think, how other people perceive you. And I have really done my best to convey to other dog guardians 
that that is so irrelevant. Again, you rob yourself of that connection, right? Like you rob yourself of being present in that moment because you are so distracted what other people think of yes, you. Yes. And it's human. It's human. It's all so, it. so human. And like, I will say, you know, I, I will be honest, right? Like it is, it is my intention not to care, right? About what other people think. It is not always easy, right? Like, I think I get better at it the more I practice it. Actually, hmm, I don't know that I get, <laughs> I'm going to think about how I want to say it. I don't know that I get better at not caring. I think I get better at processing what I feel of going, of noticing really fast that, ooh, like I feel usually for me, I'm, I am very funny and my butt, well, it's, I don't actually think it's funny. My body's just loud. <laughs> like my body screams at me before I can understand what the heck I'm feeling. And so usually I will feel something really strong in my body and I'll pause and be like, Ooh, God. like I suddenly feel like I can't breathe and I'm not sure why, like something just went like constricted in my body. And I will notice like, Ooh, gosh, I'm feeling like a real heavy weight about like, worrying about what other people think about me right now. And I haven't really found a way to not care. I really wish I could. Um, If you have some secret, let me know. You might save me thousands in therapy. Uh, But uh, I am getting really good at saying, Ooh, okay. Like I see you. It's okay. That's human. And then I can let it go. Um, But I think for me, the biggest part has been just noticing what's not mine, right? That like, ooh, that's something I'm feeling from out there. And just noticing that feels really powerful to me. Um, I am in awe of the people who can go through life very, very boldly. I just think I am kind of a sensitive soul. (laughs) (sighs) And that's a beautiful thing. And like, I I love how we can open up this, you've opened up this literal and metaphorical safe space for people to be like, okay, cool. Not everybody has perfect dogs. Sweet, But even more than that, right? Like allowing the grace for us human beings to be real about how we're feeling, but not letting that define us or weigh us down for an extended amount of time, right? Because I don't think we can ever get rid of the feeling. Right. Like that, that tight feeling, the, the anxiety, whatever we want to label it. I don't think we ever get rid of it. I we think could. It, we totally go to a new environment. <laughs> right. Right. Yes, we can change the environment to change yeah. the behavior. Yeah. <laughs> but I think just noticing it and realizing like, cool. Okay. So those people looking at me right now made me feel a certain way. But I find that something that works so beautifully for me is just looking down and nine times out of 10, my dogs are looking at me and that just like breaks it. And I swear to God, it just like fills my soul with exactly what I needed. So I can be like, oh, you're right. Here's a cookie. Let's go. You know? So it's like, love that. that's like, I mean, dogs are incredibly grounding, right? They can bring you kind of out of whatever death spiral which is what I sometimes feel like, <laughs> like, go yes. into it, like oh my god where is this going this horrible thought pattern um and just kind of bring you into the present moment and like that is a 
gift. Once you see those faith, you're like, ah, yes, this looking at you, this right here is what's real. What's in this actual moment. And this is what matters. Yeah, that is, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'm always, I like love when people remind me of that, of like sometimes just how simple it is to come back to the present moment. It's like, sometimes just look at your dog. Like, ah, you're right there. Right. Right. And like, I mean, on the flip side of that, for those of you who are like, cool, yeah, so your dog's awesome just looking at you. My dog's like pulling me all over. That also <laughs> has the same effect. Maybe not as like gentle, but it also has the same effect, right? And I think that like, that's a gift that Wayland has given me. Like, wake the fuck up, lady. We're here. We're right now. I need you to be with me, right? Because oh. I don't think all dogs give us that gift. Every dog gives us something new. But Waylon oh gave God. me that gift of you yes. have to be here right now with me. And I feel like yes. I was so capable of just existing in the future, in the past, in my yeah. thoughts, my mind. You know what I mean? And I think that that's something that if we open ourselves up to it is a gift from the dogs, not a burden. Oh, it is. a. I mean, it's not that gifts aren't always hard, but it is absolutely an opportunity. And I, this is Sully. There are things that I thought Otis taught me and then little Sully arrived and I was like, oh crap, I have to learn this crap again. Like you've got to be kidding me. And like, it hurt to my core. I kid you not. Like she offended me on a a daily basis. Like I just did not realize, you know, I thought I was this really loving person And then she showed up and I was like, Ooh, my love is very conditional on you doing the shit I want you to do when I want you to do it. And like, are you proving that I know how to train a dog and you right now are not fitting what is supposed to happen. And it's making me feel deeply inadequate and I hate it. (laughs) No, it's, Oh my God. And I feel like because we're trainers, there's this other like layer of expectation, right? That like, oh, like you know, please what does it say about us? Out with her. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. What does it say about us if we're out with the dog and someone sees us? Right. Like, oh my God. Right. But these are the things that happen for all of us. So everyone who's listening who is a beautiful dog guarding and you're not a professional trainer, please know that we are not <laughs> exempt from the yeah. feelings that you're experiencing. Right. Like, welcome to being a human being and sharing your life with the dog. Yep. And to this day, you could still catch me on a day where if Sully is having a real Sully day, we're like, you might see my cheeks turn pink. I'm like, oh, crap. (laughs) It just still sometimes happens. The, The way that I have learned, she actually has taught me a lot about appreciating imperfect dogs and not like, I really was not trying to control Otis or so I thought. But Otis also did a lot of what I wanted him to do. And I think that allowed me to just think that I was okay with him as an individual. And that was just not the case with Sully. Sully is an independent, sassy, beautiful creature who is just so self-sufficient, comes to life in nature in a way that like, it's hard I mean, now it's my favorite thing. Like what I have learned through her is how to appreciate and kind of love this dog without 
the sort of reciprocal, like kind of direct reciprocal googly eyes that I tend to like, don't get me wrong. I get a shot of just pure dopamine when a dog like looks at me. I'm like, yes, I feel very important right now. And I love it. And I mean, it's a miracle if Sully looks at me while we hike in nature because she prioritizes nature. And so I have actually with her just found a lot of joy in watching her experience nature. So like rather than the connection being like the two of us really in sync, we go together and enjoy nature. And I get such a kick out of watching her do her. And the only way I could do that, I mean, it took me a year of like gripping until I let go and said, okay, I, I can't win. So I'm going to learn how to just see you and appreciate you. Okay. So for the listeners, can you just tell them their breeds? Cause I think that that's a relevant detail in the, like maybe why Otis was more prone to do some of the things that we wanted yes. for Sully. So yeah. Otis is uh, a sheepdog poodle mix. Um, and he, was he an intentional breeding? Uh-huh. Okay. He is, I, I have never in my like, okay, there are things, certain distractions where recall is very hard for him, but like from eight weeks on, I would have trusted him because he would always want to be near us. He always wanted to check in with us. Like that is very reinforcing for him. There is something about that. I mean, obviously I think there's large environmental and learning histories that come with this, but there's something genetically that sets that up to be reinforcing for him. Sully is uh, so Otis is an 85 pound dog. Sully is a 20 pound dog. She, I don't know exactly what she is. We adopted her. She looks kind of like a terrier mix. Um, she's from Asia. So she's probably got some Asian like spitz breeds in her. Um, yeah, she does not <laughs> like, I, uh, it's hard. I don't know how to say this, like without, I'm trying not to totally stereotype her, but she is just there's I don't know her full learning history but like when she came to me it was very obvious that like uh just pleasing humans was not nearly as reinforcing as independent exploration um and that is okay (laughs) it is but I think that when you're used to the latter right when you're used to And I think like, you know, the, the poodle breed and then, you know, the English sheepdog, like both of those we bred to work alongside people. So like, you know, we get a lot of that for free in jeans, not always, but a lot of the time. It's humbling. It is humbling when now you have this dog who does not naturally find reinforcement and seeing what you're up to, right? Like it is, it's such a humbling experience. And I think that there's this horrible misnomer that like, one person is so good with dogs, they can get any dog to do anything. That is the biggest lie I've ever heard in my whole life. So that's a whole nother rabbit hole we won't go down tonight. But I think that, you know, realizing some of those factors, I think in and of themselves are more reassuring, right? Just the fact that like, you know, she probably doesn't have a ton of breeds that were like, cool, let's do things with humans per se. You know what I mean? Like, I think that that is an empowering thing to know, like, 
Okay, cool. So this isn't just all me. Okay. All right. <laughs> so I could continue in this profession if I wanted to, right? Right. <laughs> right. I can still be training dogs. I can still charge money for this, right? Right. Just, just confirming. Uh, yeah. I mean, we now just get the biggest hoot out of doing anything with her. It is like for us such a joy. I mean, for the first year of her life, she was a little bit shut down. Um, cause she was a, she lived on the street and I think honestly coming to the city and just like a lot of change for her. Um, but watching her come to life in her way has been the coolest thing. And I, I will be clear her way, like what, what we light up about like her behavior is what society at large, meaning the same one that defines the perfect dog would consider atrocious. I celebrate the heck out of it when she does anything that is quote unquote pushy, because this is a dog who was so shut down that like a great many people be like, wow, she's so well behaved. She's not, she just, she's not empowered. (laughs) The more she got empowered, the more she, yeah. Like she has become less quote unquote by society standard good the more empowered she has gotten because she realized that she can access these reinforcers, that she can control outcomes. And, you know, when we step back and have that broader perspective, rather than this tiny little pre-delivered perfect box, there's so much to celebrate, right? That is, that is really fun. And, you know, to me, it is a personal victory that I laugh at her rolling in poop all the time because it's not fun to clean. She's a dog with a lot of hair. And like, I don't know, people ask me all the time. They're like, why do you let her do that? I'm like, because what is my alternative? I, I don't know what to do other than laugh. That question. Why did you let them do that? Like a lot of the time, like, oh, you thought I had a say in it? Oh, that's cute. Right? Like <laughs> <laughs> you thought my recall was good enough to call her away from animal poop at 20, 25 yards? No, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. And is that is okay. Right? Like that is okay. And seriously, I delight. I hope you know how much joy I get when you share her like muddy, wet, like beautiful, happy self, because okay. that's worth celebrating, right? Like that joy and that happiness and the empowerment and control she has over her environment is the goal people. That's the goal. And the more that we, like, I have found, again, I sometimes struggle. I don't want to put words in other people's mouths, but I have found that the more that I sort of work towards giving her freedom, right? I mean, she is, she should be a free creature. She just happens to be one that has been domesticated. Uh, And the more that I celebrate things that, society labels as imperfections, the more readily I can do that with myself, the more readily I can do that with other people. And like life just becomes more fun. And like, there are so many hard things in life that it's like, do we need to add hard things? I don't think so. I don't, but maybe I'm just, maybe I just struggle with this one. I don't know. No, you, you understand people more than you give yourself credit for, right? And like, I think that when we realize that we don't have to suppress 
behavior. We don't have to suppress emotion. We don't have to suppress desire in our dogs. I mean, I cannot even tell you how exponentially my life has improved when I celebrated not suppressing things in my own dogs and not doing that for myself right? Like Uh the joy that you open yourself up to and like how you get to be present and enjoy the shit and the good stuff, right? Because it's always 50, 50. It's not like our lives. We don't like have struggles and bullshit. We all do, right? We all live in the same world, but I feel like my coping mechanisms and my resilience is so much stronger because I meet my own needs. And it just happens that I can usually do that while I meet the dog's needs too. Right? Like <laughs> life has that overlaps. Yes. Fill your cup while you fill your dogs. But um, yeah, right. Like I, I think that it's so beautiful. And like, especially in Sully's case, I think that the little dogs suffer in a oh, different way oh. than, you know, some different size breeds of dogs. I feel like little dogs are deprived of a lot of natural outlets because they're little and we want them to be clean. And we have these weird, like, you know, control things about the dog. And, you know, I think it's especially bold to celebrate a small dog with a lot of fur who is not easy to clean. And (laughs) And to celebrate, like, dogs are supposed to get dirty, everyone. They're supposed to. And people all the time are like, you must bathe her every day. I'm like, how embarrassing will it be to tell you that I don't? (laughs) I know you know she has poop on her and I don't know I just like I can't bathe her every day oh my god and that's okay right like I think that we've I don't know I tell me if you feel the same way but I feel like my goal is really just to like help rewrite the script for like what it means to be a dog guardian today right like they're not just animals, they're emotional creatures, right? They're emotionally complex creatures. And that doesn't mean that we can't celebrate that, right? Like, so I guess the moral of the story here is everyone, (laughs) we want to normalize your imperfect dog, just like we're normalizing our imperfect dogs and our imperfect selves. Yes, 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 yes. And sometimes like our dogs don't have the same cultural crap we have layered on top. And so, like, I sometimes look at them as, like, these little reminders or, like, helpers to bring me back a little bit to nature, right? Where it's, like, they are just less inhibited. And I'm obviously, right, it, we need to be inhibited about some things, right? Like, we cannot, you know, go up, out there acting out our every whim, I don't think. but I have not found a way that to actually make that work, but there's something about them that to me, like giving them more and more freedom to just behave in ways that feel really natural to them. Right. And that, that will require some antecedent arrangement sometimes, right. Depending on the dog, like I, I'm not saying take a dog who is really stressed out by loud trucks and let them do whatever they want walking in the city because they're like that's just unfair um but like finding ways where we can just remove more and more and more of the kind of controlling labels and barriers and things that we've imposed on them has this way of saying like hey p.s your nature too. Come on back. Like, 
come play, come be silly, come like, it's okay. You know, Sully is my, also my great teacher of, well, Otis has done this too, that like, I have old stories about how it's good to always be, um, to always be nice and have everyone like you and to always get along. And so naturally, if Sully snaps at a dog or if Otis blows up barking, he's just, I mean, when an 85 pound dog barks, that's a big bark. And like, I sometimes feel a surge of anger when that happens. And if I can sit with it for a second, I'll realize like, oh boy, that's me thinking that we all have to always get along and be liked by everybody in order to be good. And so they've kind of taught me a little bit, just by example, that like, you can have boundaries. (laughs) And seriously, I, oh. I resonate with that so much, right? And I think that a lot of people do because there's been so much brainwashing of you have to be polite. Especially for women. Yes. People please. I'm a recovering people pleaser, right? Like you're talking about perfection and I'm a recovering people pleaser. And it's so true, right? And I think that it's an invitation. Our dogs invite us to live less encumbered and Mm -hmm. in the present moment. And to me- I don't want to live any other way. I need yep. dogs always in my life reminding me like, Rachel, right here, right now. Uh-huh. Right here, right now. Those people, you're never going to see them again. So it doesn't matter what they yeah. think. Right? Uh-huh. Like, and I think, you know, if you're in the right headspace and you open yourself up to it, dogs are just going to throw those gifts your way. They're just going to throw them their way. But you can also live on the other side of that spectrum where your dog is constantly you know, insert whatever label the dog training industry wants to give you. They're trying to dominate you. They're trying to control you. And it's always a power struggle, right? Like you can live there, but we're inviting you to live in this other beautiful world, right? So join us. And like letting go of some of the resistance is like, oh, it just like, it feels like the biggest exhale in the world. And if, if I'm not careful, like I will be honest, like I can slip back, right? I can find myself um, you know, old thought patterns showing up and it is just such a load off. And like, I still think I have certain days where, you know, I'm not fully resourced and like, I don't care how much you tried or how stinking cute my dogs were. I'm probably not going to look at them and be like, this is the best day ever to get to share life with you. Right. Like, because I'm just not able to be present, right? Like something has taken me offline and I'm living in some other past or, you know, future and that's okay. Right. Like I don't, I just don't want to paint a picture. Like I am always living in this present, beautiful, accepting moment because I'm just not. (laughs) Right. Right. But that's what we're always striving for. It doesn't mean we achieve it every day. Right. But that's what we're striving for. Oh my God. Yes. See, I just want to hug you through the computer screen. Oh, Back at you. Okay. So for everyone listening, can you tell them how they can connect with you and how they can join the normalized imperfect dog movement? Yes. So we are on Instagram. It's at tales of connection. Um, it's spelled like a dog tail. So T A I L S. Um, and then our website is tales of Um, and 
we share, you know, a lot of content on Instagram, and then we have some courses uh, on our website. And we are always so thrilled, truly, to get to connect with people um, uh, in any format and get, you know, like I was saying, I, I really feel like a learner. So I feel really, really lucky to get to um, share a lot of the stories and posts that amazing trainers like you and dog guardians share because it really is just this beautiful reminder that there's just something bigger going on here than, you know, you or I, you or me. Oh my God. And, you know, it's, it's innately human to want to be a part of a community. And I love how you've created such a beautifully safe and uplifting place for people to be a part of a community, right? Thank you. Well, the internet can feel really scary. So I, (laughs) I feel, I feel very, very lucky to have found this really beautiful corner of the internet. (laughs) Okay. Everyone be sure to follow Tales of Connection over on Instagram and do us a favor. If you like this episode, take a screenshot of it and tag us on Instagram and tell us what was the takeaway? Um, I have a quote I'm going to post mm-hmm, from you. You were full of <laughs> All right, everyone, thank you for joining us. So I know that CBD is very popular right now, but did you know that there are other cannabinoid profiles that we can use for not only ourselves, but our, our dogs as well? Vetsias has a new product out that is not only CBD, but it also uses CBG and CBN to act together to bring pretty strong results to the dogs. The new combination of the CBG, CBD, and CBN is really good for dogs with significant anxiety, excessive inflammation, or dysfunction of the neurologic system. I have been using the new profiles for Tiva. Many of you know my 14-year-old dog Tiva, and I've seen some really awesome changes in her mobility since starting the CBD, CBG, CBN combination. So if you're interested in trying any CBD products or checking out the new profile, check out vetcs.com and you can use code DisorderlyDogs for 10% off your purchase. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore NCO. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.